So, uh, have you ever started talking before and uh, your mind just kind of goes on autopilot, but your lips still keep moving like 100 miles an hour without stopping? Yeah, extroverts in the room, I'm looking at you, okay? Um, I think that happens especially sometimes when, uh, when we know it so well, when we know the subject so well that it's almost like muscle memory. You don't even have to think. You just speak without even pausing to think about what you're going to say. But we also know uh, that sometimes that's not the most effective way to communicate, right? Have you ever said something that you didn't mean to because your lips were moving faster than that little filter that you have in your mind? If you still have it, uh, could catch it? Or, or have you uh, sat and listened to someone's just rant and you thought to yourself, you know, they don't even care that I'm not listening to them right now. They just really want to hear themselves speak. Don't look at your spouse right up here, okay? Um, <clears throat> Jim choked up. I guess we'll have a counseling session later. Okay. <laughs> um, so uh, most, most world religions, most world religions have a, uh, have a set form of prayer. So Jews pray three times a day, and at least one of those times they pray the Shema, from uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, that the Lord your God is one. Muslims pray five times a day facing east towards Mecca. And in one of those prayers, they pray the entire first chapter of the Quran. Hindus pray mantras and meditate on mantras that have been passed down throughout the generations. And Christians have the Lord's Prayer. You may have learned it maybe back in about third grade uh, when, when you got your Bible. Um, but it's a prayer uh, that Christians have been praying uh, throughout the centuries, and it's prayed in, in almost every language. It takes about 25 seconds to pray the Lord's Prayer. 25 seconds to recite the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven. You can join with me if you know it. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. 25 seconds to recite it. But did we just pray it? Did you just pray it? Are we just reciting it or are we praying it? Did our mind just go onto autopilot? It's a prayer that's, that's memorized by many but maybe understood by few. And see, the, the thing about Christianity is, is that prayer, it's not a mandate. It's not a mandate that, that we pray it, but it's a model, I would argue, for prayer. And, and even more than that, I would argue that the Lord's Prayer, it, it's a model for our lives. And so what I want to do over the next few weeks is, is I want to force us to just slow down 
and meditate on what it is that we are actually praying for when we pray the Lord's Prayer. Because I think that when Jesus gave his first followers this prayer, he didn't expect it to just be memorized and recited. That, that when Jesus shared this prayer with his first followers, I, I think he was sharing a part of himself. That he was sharing a relationship that he had with God the Father. That he was sharing a part of his own soul. That he was sharing the depth of his faith. This isn't just a prayer to simply be recited, but it's a prayer that we are called to respond to. To respond to with our very lives. So about 200 years before Jesus showed up on the scene, there was a a significant shift in uh, the Jewish religion in Judaism that because of all the political political turmoil that was happening and Jews were dispersed all throughout the Middle East and there was just kind of so much in the air. The Jewish leaders, the rabbis, the scribes, the Pharisees, actually the scribes and Pharisees kind of rose to power at that time and they decided, you know what? We Jewish people, we need to kind of put an anchor down. We need to remember our identity. And every Jewish person needs to do that. And so they came up with 18 blessings, 18 stanzas that the Jewish people were to pray three times a day. Every Jewish person was to memorize these 18 blessings kind of throughout scripture, but also some other things added in, that they were to memorize these things and pray them three times throughout the day. But, as you can imagine, 18 stanzas is quite a bit to remember. And it also takes a little while to pray 18 stanzas more than the 25 seconds. And so it was common also in Jesus' day that people would go to their local rabbis and say, Rabbi, can you give me just the cliff notes? Can can you give me the shortened version? What's really essential here in all those 18 stanzas? what's, what's, What's the most important thing? And rabbis would do that. They'd say, you know, if all else fails, if, if you can't pray these 18 stanzas three times a day, here, here pray this one summary stanza that, that I've come up with because that contains all things necessary. And so one day, Jesus' followers asked Jesus to do the same thing for them. Jesus, rabbi, teacher, teach us to pray. Your prayer. Because to learn a rabbi's prayer, it it wasn't just to learn a summary. It, It wasn't just to learn the right words, but it was to learn the core, the necessities, the essentials of the rabbi's faith. And so here's how Jesus begins. Before he ever even gets into his prayer, this comes from Matthew chapter 6. It says, And when you pray, Jesus says, do not be like the hypocrites. Let's get a couple things cleared out first. Don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father 
who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. See, prayer isn't about having the right words to say. It's, it's about a relationship, a close, intimate, respectful relationship. But often I think that, you know, we think of God as, as kind of our cosmic sugar daddy, right? Gimme, 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 gimme. But really absent of any love or respect. Or we approach God in prayer, kind of like God does uh, this giant uh, dispenser of Febreze. You know Febreze? I love that stuff. You can just spray it over the stink, and you don't smell it. It's masked. But what happens about 45 minutes later? It comes back, right? Because you don't want to deal with the trash. You don't want to deal with taking out the garbage. You don't want to deal with the mess itself. And so we say, God, won't, won't you just... Why don't you just let that one slip? I, I know it was a mistake, but just, just let it slip. Just, just spray some uh, Febreze over the stank of my life. <clears throat> but Jesus says, no, it's something deeper than that. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's something deeper than that. That God is a God that we can call Father, a God that knows just what we need. And just like a good parent knows what their child needs, and just as a good parent wants their child to grow and learn and mature, a good parent knows you can't just avoid the mess. You can't just avoid the mess. And so God as a good heavenly parent, knows that the mess can't just be febrezed over, but knows that it has to be addressed. It has to be taken care of. It has to be cleaned out. It has to be scoured in order to make us new. And so Jesus continues. He says, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father our Father. We're just going to hang on to that word, our Father, today for a little bit. <clears throat> because I think in those words that Jesus is inviting us into something that's, that's bigger than we could ever imagine. Something, something that's grander that we could ever wrap our minds around. And, and we may know how the rest of the prayer goes. We, we may know that there are things that, that we need to ask for. We may know that there are things that we can come to God to ask for, but you have to recognize who it is you're talking to before you start spilling out all of your problems. Because most people, not all people, but most people, and the ones that don't know this, this is a very important lesson for you, uh, but most people, when they have a problem, they go to someone that they trust, someone that they know, someone that there's an intimate relationship, and maybe someone that they know has the ability to change it, to make it 
new. And so Jesus teaches his followers to open in prayer saying, Our Father. Now to call God Father was not something new that Jesus had invented. The Jewish people had been calling God Father for centuries now. That when Moses went before Pharaoh to uh, demand that the Jewish people be set free from slavery and captivity to Egypt, he said, God demands that these people be let go. Because these people are not slaves, these are God's children. God is referred to as Father throughout the Old Testament scriptures. And yes, God is also referred to as Mother as well. This isn't a thing about gender. That God is referred to as a mother bear. I love that image. That God is referred to as the mother who gives us birth, a nursing mother. But to call God our Father, I think it also had another meaning for the followers of Jesus who are hearing this prayer. Because in Jesus' day, in Jesus' culture, if you were a good Jewish boy, your, your goal was pretty much to grow up to become your father. Now, that's not exclusive to Judaism, I know, uh, because my wife looks at me probably once a week and says, you are turning into your father. And I say, yeah, I know. I don't know how this happened. Um, But for a Jewish boy, you would learn the prayers that your father spoke around the dinner table every Sabbath night. And you would learn the skills and the trade of your father to one day take on his own work as your own. That if your father was a carpenter, like Jesus' father, Joseph, Jesus' earthly father, Joseph, was a carpenter, then you would learn the skills, you would learn the trade, you would become an apprentice of your father and learn his ways to one day become a carpenter like him. But while you're still learning, while you're still learning the trade, while you're still learning the schools, while you're still skills, while you're still there in the workshop, you have the father there to say, hey, can you check my work? It, Am I doing this the right way, Dad? And so when the disciples come and they ask Jesus, teach us how to pray, and and he opens with those words, our Father, I think speaking to God as a father, Jesus, Jesus is saying, when you say that, you're asking to be invited on as an apprentice son. That to pray, our father, you're asking, may I be considered an apprentice of yours? God, may, may I learn your ways. May, may I do the things that you do. May I learn from you. May I be changed into your likeness and image. To pray, our father, It's a way to sign on to the kingdom of God, to become an apprentice to God's way, to say, God, can I do, can I do your work? And so this prayer really begins as a prayer of surrendering, surrendering, surrendering all of our ways to God's ways, asking God to teach you, to show you, to mold you, to model God's own works for you so that you can carry it on in your own life. 
But Jesus goes on and he says, our father in heaven. Because God isn't just a bigger, better version of us. God is a father who is in the heavens. And and when we think of the heavens, we sometimes have a tendency to think of it as as a destination place to get to once we die, but but it's so much bigger than that. That Jesus understood the heavens as as a different reality that coexists within our own. That that sometimes we're not aware of it because we're so focused on ourselves, but God's kingdom is breaking into our world and that's where God reigns. And from that position, God has a different perspective in our world. You see, it's not so much about where God is, but it's about who God is. Father, teach us your ways. Teach us your, your heavenly ways. Because if we're honest with ourselves, we're pretty good at our earthly skills. We're, we're pretty gr- good at, at our earthly trade. And Paul talked about this. And he said, you know well your, your earthly trade. You know well your earthly skills. Paul called them the works of the flesh. And in Galatians, he says this, the acts of the flesh or our earthly skill, think of it that way, are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like, and the like. Interesting. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. That those who live in this way do not understand what it is like to be an apprentice child of a heavenly God to learn the ways of our heavenly father. But Paul goes on and he says, but there is a heavenly way. And he calls it the fruit of the spirit. And he says, it's, it's like this love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things. There is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus, those who call upon God as their father in heaven, just as Jesus did, those who belong to Christ Jesus have been crucified in the flesh. They've surrendered the works of the flesh with its passions and all of its desires And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. That last part is important because if we are to call God our Father, it means that that our part is really important. That none of us can claim exclusive rights to God's fatherhood. That I am not an only child. And none of us are. And that if we cannot be brother and sister to one another, then how dare we call God our Father? If I cannot live at peace with my brothers and sisters, then I cannot have the audacity to call God my Father. To recognize God as Father means that you also have to recognize others as your brothers and sisters in God's family. 
And when we pray our Father in heaven, we acknowledge that we have the closeness of the Father who has the perspective of the heavens. That God is closer than close to us, yet bigger than big. But sometimes when we think of God as in heaven, we think that means that, that God is distant. That, that God is, is aloof. That God is, is standoffish. But that's only because we've been living with the God of Jesus for so long now. That the God of Jesus has shaped our worldview. That the God of Jesus has shaped all of the world's theology. Because when Jesus said that we have a father in heaven, he was proclaiming a truth. And that truth is that we do not have a God who is made in our own image, but that we are made in God's image. That God is bigger than anything that we could construct or create with our own hands, that we cannot shape and fit God into our own image because God is bigger than that. God is in the heavens and his name is hallowed. Holy, perfect, set apart, glorified, praised. And, and I, think, I think there's a part of us that, that needs to reclaim that. Because how tempted we are. How tempted we are to turn to all the shiny gods of the earth. The shiny god of money. The plastic gods of materialism and consumerism. And, and those gods, I, I get it. I fall into their trap. They're, they're attractive. They seem safe. And they don't seem to ask for too much except that we bow down in devotion to them. They don't seem to demand too much but our devotion and it's only until we realize that their only power comes from our own sacrifice. And so we sacrifice our time to give them more and more devotion. Maybe we sacrifice our values to lift them up just a little bit more. And maybe we even end up sacrificing our own life only to find that there's no prize waiting for us at the end of our lives. I mean, have you, have you traded on? Have you traded the relationship, the intimate relationship with a father in heaven for a plastic God, for a shiny God? And so... What I, wanna, what I want you to hear this morning, what, what this all just kind of boils down to, is in just these opening lines, I want you to hear Jesus calling us back. Calling us back to the Father's house. Calling us back into relationship with the Father. A God who is as close as close can be, and yet bigger than big. A God who searches from the heavens the whole earth and still finds it wanting. 
A God who searches the depth of our own heart and soul and, and still finds that there's a missing piece there. And so what that God has done, that God doesn't demand that we first bow down, give it our devotion, our sacrifice, but what our Father in heaven has done is sacrificed for us out of love for his children so that we might come back into the Father's home. And acknowledging that and surrendering to that love, that love of the Father, acknowledging, surrendering to that is the only thing that is great enough, the only thing that is strong enough to set us free from ourselves and our own earthly gods. And, and so that last part, hallowed be your name, it, it's a request. It, it's the first petition of many. It's a request that God's name would be made holy, that God's name would be made famous in, in all of creation, in all of the world, that God's name would be made famous, but also that God's name would be made famous in our own lives, in, in our own heart, that we would seek to praise God and give God the glory instead of glorifying our own name. And that we would appraise, that we would evaluate, that we would judge, that we would find worth in the works of the Father. That we would appraise the skills and the trade and the works of the Father. We would appraise it and in turn praise his good name. And to praise means to admire, to look up to, to be filled with a strong emotion of, of love and respect. And so Jesus teaches us in just that opening line to admire our Father in heaven, to look upon God's heavenly ways that, that are different from our own earthly ones and to seek to learn from them, to seek to practice them, that we would surrender our faith, that we would surrender our praise, that we would hand over our adoration to God. And that everything else that we have admired in this world would just pale in comparison. That all the shiny gods, all the plastic gods, all, all the other little things, that they would just pale in comparison to the works of our Father in heaven and that we would have the courage to hand that over with those simple words, our Father, our Father. And when we do that, we become who God has already said that we are, his apprentice and his child. And so I want to end with something that's, that's just maybe a little bit different. Um, it's a type of prayer that uh, I don't know where I learned it from, and I call it the hands-over prayer. There's probably a better name for that. Um, but uh, it, it's a type of prayer, we may have done it before, uh, where you hold your hands out open like this, as if you're holding on to something, or as if uh, you're lifting something up. And then throughout the prayer, you kind of meditate on, on maybe what that could be. Maybe, 
It's a pain. Maybe it's a, it's a burden. Maybe it's something that's been just kind of weighing you down. Or maybe it's something that, that you're lifting up. And then throughout the prayer, as you meditate on that, you ask God to give you the courage and the faith to hand it over and, and symbolically turn your hands over and lay it down before God. Lay it down before the foot of the cross and say, God, God, take this. Take this from me. And so I'm going to invite you into a time of prayer to, to do just that. So if you would uh, put your hands, uh, palms facing upwards on your laps, it's not going to be weird if everybody does it. So just get over yourself and hop on board, okay? Um, and and let's, let's pray together. Why don't you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, Lord, you know our needs. Before, before we ever ask. And here we are, God. Our hearts open before you, our hands upright before you. Holy Spirit, help us to name whatever that is that we're holding on to. Maybe it's one of those gods shiny God or a plastic God. Maybe, maybe it's a burden. It's a pain. Lord, it's something that, that doesn't satisfy. Father, we name it here before you. Holy Spirit, give us the courage now that as we turn our hands over, we may lay that down at the foot of the cross. That whatever it is that has weighed us down, Lord, that we lay it down before you. That we surrender it. That you take it from us. And God, also that we would surrender our praise to you that we would say, Lord, you are worthy. We lay down glorifying our own name. We, we lay down glorifying our own ways. God, help us to surrender our hearts in praise of you. Teach us your heavenly ways. And help us to say with confidence, you are our Father who art in heaven and hallowed be your name. Amen.